0: Online at KFUO.org.
1: And welcome to Concord Matters, the show where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, we read through the Book of Concord, the Lutheran confessions that have stood the faithful test of time. And on today's show, we are going to continue as we make our way through the small called articles written by Martin Luther himself. And today we are in Part 3, Article 2, of the law. And to do that, we have with us our usual cohort of Christ-Confessing Concordians. We have layman Peter Slayton, who is the social media manager for the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate. We have Pastor Peter Ill, who's the pastor at Trinity in Milstadt, Illinois. And we have Pastor Timothy Apple, who is the pastor at Grace in Smithville, Texas. And myself, Pastor Sean Smith, as your host, and I'm coming to you from Southern Illinois today. Uh, where I am, pastor. I guess I should say that. That's why I'm coming to you from <laughs> For Southern all Illinois. of
2: Southern Illinois. <laughs> yeah,
1: all of Southern. Illinois Sometimes it feels like that. You
2: know,
3: yeah. I, I two point tell- parishes
2: can be busy and make you feel stretched yeah. thin. Yes.
3: Somebody told me yeah. the other day that Southern Illinois starts at U- at uh, Interstate 80, and everything south of 80 is Southern Illinois. That's oh, an man. awful lot of Southern <laughs> Illinois right there. Yeah, it's, especially
2: yeah. if people know where Interstate 80 is, which is close to I, Chicago. I
3: yeah, that goes
2: right into Chicago.
1: Yeah, basically, we're just looking to annex Chicago or, you know, get rid of Chicago, whatever that word is, not annex. (laughs) Anyway, back to the show, back to the law, which which is a very important topic when it comes to, you know, cities in the north like Chicago and things like that. They definitely need the law. Um, (laughs) uh, But uh I have no but great so segue I. for that. <laughs> Sorry, but let's get back to the, yes, they need the law. So does pastor Hill, So do I, we all need the law and especially a law that holds us to uh, actually talking about what we're here to talk about on the show. So let's do it. Let's dig into the law here. Um, and, uh, um, bonus points to those who get the most c f w Walther references in as we go through this as well we, we all know that we 're big fans of him here on the show nice. and uh, law gospel his great work i i, I don 't know if we can uh, have a better article. To definitely get a lot of quotes in there. But uh, in, in regards to the law, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, read the editor's notes. This is a shorter article, and so we'll be able to dedicate just this show, uh, really digging into this, uh, what Luther presents to us here for our confession of faith uh, as regards to the law. And uh, I think the editor's note that comes to us in the the Concordia the Lutheran Confessions, which is the CPH uh, Reader's Edition of Uh, The Book of Concord, a very helpful editor's note, kind of sets us up, and, and we'll talk a little bit about it, setting it up, and then we'll actually get into the article itself. And so here's the editor's note. The Lutheran Reformation restored the proper biblical understanding of the chief purpose of the law, to reveal mankind's total corruption because of sin. Uh, that's, this is me talking now. This is, that, that's kind of a, a harsh statement, but we'll, we'll definitely dig into that. Driving people to seek salvation only in Christ. Well, that's a beautiful statement. We'll talk about that. While the law does hold outward sin, that is gross outbursts of sin in check, its chief purpose is to lead mankind to realize the damning consequences of original sin. The Roman Church had leaned far too heavily on pagan philosophy in developing its doctrine about sin. It had accepted the unscriptural notion that a person could truly keep the law by means of his or her own abilities. The article also summarizes, well, the three different reactions of sinners to the law. All right, brothers, go ahead and jump in there. Anything that you want to hit, especially as, uh, you know, we'll get into it in the article, but... You know, this is kind of a statement that a lot of folks don't like that uh it reveals mankind's total corruption because of sin. Am am I really all bad? I don't know. I, go ahead and jump in there.
2: Well, I think the I'll start off with the point about the pagan philosophies and this is an area where we ourselves need to be just as careful as we are talking about sin and defining sin and then how the law affects that and that even as Christians we have the same temptation to adopt the position that we're not really as bad as it seems, or we're, we're or we're maybe a little bit good in some way, and so then when you come to discussions of the law, which we're going to do today, it becomes extremely difficult to actually talk about the law, not only as the the condemnation against our sin, but God's will for how we should live, uh, because if my if my will is actually kind of okay who cares about God's will for how I should live?
3: Oftentimes we want to say, well, yeah, I'm a sinner, but there are other sinners worse than me. And we still look to the law in part to justify ourselves. Uh, not, And within the church, we're usually not crass enough to say, well, I really want, you know, because I know that that guy across the aisle from me, he's more of a sinner than I am. Well, it's not about... That, as much as it's about, I want to show that I'm not terribly and completely and irreconcilably cut off from God by my sin. Uh, I've got a, I've got a spark of goodness in me and we, we want to hold on to this optimism because we're not really all that messed up, right? But, and some the, oh, exactly go
4: ahead, Pastor. I don't know. Well, I was just going to say, sometimes we even use that confession, you know, um, well, we're all sinners, even as a way to do exactly what you're talking about, rather than to admit that I'm totally guilty when I say I'm a poor, miserable sinner. Instead, I just like to say, well, we're all sinners, as if the fact that we're all sinners somehow excuses me from being just as terrible as I actually am. It's not that bad because everybody's like this. So... Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense.
2: But yeah, that's what we
3: do. <laughs> that's exactly how the sinful flesh thinks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and just the whole idea becomes an excuse for us. I, I know that uh, Ted Kober, founder of Ambassadors of Reconciliation, talks about this in his book "Confession of Forgiveness" and his experience in working with reconciliation. That even pastors fall into this tra- uh, trap, and I certainly know that I can as well. But he he tells the story of uh, one time he was working reconciliation between a pastor. And the congregation, and there there were doctrinal issues at stake there. And of course, uh, you know, we got to be faithful to our doctrine and everything. But the the pastor apparently said he he writes uh, recounts of there that uh, you know he said, well, I know that I'm a sinner, but they're the ones that are wrong, right? You know, it becomes an excuse for us to say, yeah, I know I'm a sinner, but but once once we follow that up with a but, then we don't really recognize just how deep this sinful nature problem really is. And we, we don't recognize our own idols and we don't recognize our own sin. It becomes an excuse for us. And, and that's why a, a need for a confession like this, that says, no, it, it really does reveal mankind's total corruption because of sin, um, and, and there's no excuses for it, and there's there's no comparison game or anything else that we've talked about there already uh, can come into play. It, it is to crush and kill. That's the place of the law. I, I believe a guy named uh, CFW Walther uh, said it that way uh, quite well. Well, he's reflecting Luther as well in that teaching.
3: One point for Pastor Smith. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're,
2: we're I have a tally. notepad. Do I need to keep track here on my notepad? Start,
3: yeah. Our awesome producer Stephanie is chasing notepaper now <laughs> for the CFW Walther quote game.
2: We've got Walther behind us, this big statue. We'll we just do. let him be the judge. You know, he'll he'll yeah. tell us. Yeah.
1: Someday when we get to the live look into the studio, that'll that'll be a little more effective that we could do that. <laughs> but uh, uh, for now, we'll just have to uh, to cite it uh, vocally. But let's go ahead and dig into this article then and, and, uh, and wrestle with the words that Luther himself wrote. Uh, and uh, here I'll just read the first couple paragraphs. Here we hold that the law was given by God first to restrain sin by threats and the dread of punishment and by the promise and offer of grace and benefit. All this failed because of the evil that sin has worked in humanity. For by the law, some people were made worse sinners, those who are hostile to the law because it forbids what they like to do and commands what they do not like to do. I'm sorry, I got cross-eyed there. I'm going to back up. For the law, some people were made worse sinners, those who are hostile to the law because it forbids what they like to do and commands what they do not like to do. Cited Romans three twenty and 7, 7 through 9. Wherever they can escape punishment, they do more against the law than they did before. Those are the unrestrained and wicked who do evil whenever they have the opportunity. I'm going to go ahead and pause there. I think there's plenty there to dig into. All right, so first of all, uh, restrain sin by threats and dread of punishment. Okay, I, I want us to evaluate and talk about that. And then also I want us to hit for by the law, some people were made Worse sinners. So go ahead and jump in there, brothers.
2: <laughs> One of my favorite things to do with my with my kids is I'm teaching them. But also as kind of like a facetious joke, whenever I see a sign that tells me I can't do something, my immediate reaction is I want to do that thing. And so I I'm constantly quoting somewhat facetiously, Well, the law came to increase sin. To to basically make the point that we're made worse sinners. When we're told you can't do that because immediately our sinful nature says, well, now I want to do that. Before you told me I couldn't, I was totally okay not doing that thing. And now as soon as you've said, no, this is bad, you can't do it, all of a sudden I want to do it.
3: I'm now a worse sinner.
2: And it's the law that did that. (laughs)
3: and there's a certain point where this law is common to all people there comes a point where most people recognize a certain sense of right and wrong that's not perfect it's not complete but i would imagine that most folks including bank robbers recognize that bank robbery is wrong i would hazard a guess that most people know that ax murder is wrong (laughs) i mean there's a certain common sense to this where we're talking about uh, people all people uh, Believers in Jesus Christ and non-believers in Jesus Christ recognizing right and wrong. This law of God that is imprinted on the human heart, uh, even though it's not perfect or fully known, is something that does stop and curb uh, what, they, what they refer to as gross sin or sin that everybody can agree on that that's wrong.
1: So, Pastor Apple, um, I'll ask you this then: So, if, as the Peters there have uh, laid out for us, that uh, the law just increases my sin, all right? Uh, well, then, is the law bad? What? what what's? Uh, what? What? What place does the law have for me as a Christian when all it does is just increase my sin? Then
4: the the way that Luther begins this article, is, I think is important, that he he reminds us that we hold that the law was given by God. And and before we start to delve, you know, we have talked about the purpose that he did that, but just to notice that it is um, his gift to us. The law is not a bad thing. The law is is quite good. In fact, the law is is perfect. Um, as we sing, the law of God is good and wise. Um, this is this is what God intends for us, and and what it means to live um, according to His purposes. And so, the law is is quite good in and of itself. And, and we would do well to remember that as Christians. Um, what the the two Peters have have very helpfully said is that we're the ones who are bad. Um, we're the ones who are corrupt sinners. And because of that, when the law comes to us, um, we we want to do what it says, even though we know we shouldn't, and we become angry at the law. Uh, but it is very important for us to remember that it, the law is perfect and holy and good. We are the ones who are sinful.
2: Yeah, in that sense, it's the law that's actually proving our our sinfulness. You know, that's kind of what I was getting at. I'm glad you you brought in that the law is good because we actually need the law to show us those things. When I, when I hear the law and I instantly want to break it, well, that's actually good for me to hear that because I need to be aware of my sin and what God's will for my life actually is regarding whatever that situation is, and then learning that when I do feel that the law restricts me, that the law is boring, that it's stopping all of my fun, or all these things, because frankly, if we're honest with ourselves... Um, being lawless is much more fun than being righteous. None of us really... Okay, I have to be careful how I say this. I almost I almost went too far in that one, but <laughs> when we're honest with ourselves, because of our sinful nature, we don't actually enjoy being righteous. We tend to gravitate towards sin being the fun stuff. and And we need this law, and we need to recognize... This is God's will for my life. And it's got, it's got to be there to show us that. I started rambling there. You guys know what I'm I, I might disagree though. with
1: you just a little bit. Great, there, Slayton, please. Because I don't, at least in my observation, especially of my own life, of which I am acutely aware of, right? I don't know that I, I want lawlessness. I don't know that I actually uh, thrive off a of sin. What, what I think I want is my own law. I want myself law. I, I want to go back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, yeah, that's a good and I want to know. It. I want to be in control, right? And and this is I think part of the conflict that we see going on in the world, right? Um uh is it and, and the the reason for conflict is because I have my desires for my law to be, you know, imposing imposed upon everyone else. Sure. L- and lawlessness when in the
2: sense that it's not God's law, I guess is what I was saying. I think I because right. I, I do agree with you. Yep.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's helpful to distinguish, just because you know, again, you know, I I kind of use the example when it comes to uh, teaching this uh, to confirmants and so forth. I say, you know, is is the law of gravity bad, right? No, it's it's given to us in love, saying this is how the world works. It's created to work that way, and God gives us this law, which we have been very blessed to 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 learn about, not necessarily in the Ten Commandments, but. But we have learned about the law of gravity and it's a loving thing to say, hey, don't walk off a 20 story building because you will plummet to the ground and hurt yourself. Right. Um, and, you know, when we try to push against that, when we try to create our own law that thinks that, oh, well, I can fly and who are you to tell me that I can't, you know, well, you're, you're going to find out. And, and what we're giving to you in love um, but uh, I think that that's kind of our nature is that, you know, I, I want the world to obey my law, and that's just not the way it's ordered. We're not the creators. Uh, Pastor L, I I think you want to jump in here.
3: I do. Romans chapter 7 talks just about this issue of the law being good or bad. And, and so St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 7, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Uh, Pastor Apple had quoted the end of that uh, previously, but as Peter Slayton was talking about before, we have this idea that the law is bad, and it's only when we are told not to do something that we really want to do it, because there we see, oh, this is this thing that I'm not supposed to do, and we suddenly become aware of what we aren't supposed to do, and we realize how often that comes back up for us. I remember
2: my point I was trying to make when I started rambling. The the part of us that believes that the law is bad is actually our sinful nature. I mean, that that's that's what... We, we need to recognize that when you begin to think that the law is bad or it's restricting you or it's limiting your fun, that's actually your sinful nature that sees the law in that way. So that, that's where I was going, and I started rambling and lost my train of thought. But I found it again. <laughs>
1: and, and thanks for bringing in Romans 7 there. Of course, yep. uh, Luther himself cites it here as well, and, and that's a helpful thought for helping us understand it. Uh, one, one of the things that comes to mind with, with this um, Uh, what we're talking about here is is actually Cain and killing Abel his brother right Uh, he he uh, in that conversation with god right it it talks about you know that that sin is there crouching at its door but at your door, but you must rule over it uh God says back there in genesis four right and so we we have to uh to recognize that this is again as you said well our sinful nature that that is in us since the fall uh all from the moment of conception in fact as psalm fifty one teaches us and uh and we're not quite to to the confession yet where where we're going to see very clearly um you know how much that is deeply revealed although we've alluded to it already but we're we're beginning to see that now and that even you know even this increase of sin it comes out of that sinful nature. Uh pastor Apple anything to add before uh we move on here?
4: Well just to to point out you know the so my sinful nature does not like the law and considers it bad, and so what then happens is that I, I, you know, I become hostile toward it, as as Luther rightly points out, because I I want to do those things that it's told me not to do, um, and I don't want to do the things that it has told me to do, and and so as Luther points out, you know, we, we start to actively rebel against it. We become very um, hateful towards it, probably as a recognition that it's it's pointing out, you know, what we're doing wrong, and we don't like that, so we rebel. All the more, I, I think of you know some sometimes when when I've created a set of rules, say for a, a class or or at my house, and those rules get broken, um, I met with a lot of hostility. Um, I get told it 's your fault because you set the rules um, rather than uh, a recognition that no this is this is my fault because i 'm the one who broke those rules, and, and that 's the way our sinful nature shows that hostility against god 's law we become angry at him, angry at his law, um, rather than accepting the responsibility ourselves and, and again, as, as layman Slayton wonderfully pointed out that 's due to our sinful nature um, that 's the reason that happens so so what about then? Um those
1: who choose not to believe in God, who say, you know, th- this this has no bearance on me because I don't believe that God even exists. Uh, how how does that play into this discussion?
2: Ignorance of the law never made you not guilty. You're, you're still guilty, even if you're ignorant of it and don't care about it.
1: Well, I agree with you, but how? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this I'm just operating radio. in soundbites today. That's it. all
2: yeah. I got. Sorry. No. <laughs> I'm going to hand off to one of the pastors.
3: We end up with this situation where the law applies equally to everybody. Uh, We see the common law that is uh, known to all people, although imperfectly, that we're really kind of thinking about here in paragraphs one through three. But we also recognize God holds everyone to the standard of his law. And if you go your own way and do your own thing, you are either disbelieving that God cares, or you are arrogant and prideful that God wouldn't dare to punish somebody like you, or it drives you to say, Wow, what have I done? Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner the law comes to all people. Uh, there are some people who drown it out with all kinds of their own noise But the law applies equally to believers and unbelievers alike. And so we don't try to get anybody off the hook of the law, but rather to say, has the law crushed you? Have you had enough of the the heartache and the pain of saying, oh, I didn't know what it was to covet, and then the law told me what coveting was, and then I recognized it's all around me. And if that's the case, then, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And so the law is continually speaking and continually showing our sin and our imperfection before God with the goal that it, that it bring us to repentance and faith that indeed Jesus Christ our Lord is the end of the law who has borne up all of the law for us and it is only in him that we have our hope. So,
1: so what do you say then for those who say in our culture say, all right, well, your law, believers in Christ, Christians, right? Your law says that homosexuality is wrong. Abortion is wrong. Things of that nature are wrong, but I don't believe those are wrong. And they've actually worked here in Illinois, where I am. Uh, and pastor Hill is also a pastor, uh, recently pushed through, um, both, uh, uh their, their Senate and, uh, house, um, a a very aggressive abortion law, uh, legalizing abortion. Um, And, uh, you know, this is this is happening. And they say, well, it's legal in our country now. And and I think they're railing against God's law. Right. And saying that, you know, uh, you say these are wrong, but I don't think they are wrong. And so we're changing the laws of our land. And and now they're not wrong. Uh, So so how do we respond to that?
3: Who is it who is the Lord and creator and preserver of all things? Is it the, the government of the United States? Is it the legislature of the state of Illinois? Is it any earthly ruler or power or principality? Or is it the Lord our God who has created the heavens and the earth? if it is the lord our god then we can go around making whatever human laws we would like but god's law that he has established is the true law and that is the law that we are ultimately answerable to and so we can continue to have these conversations with others and say it may be the law of the land, but the law of the land says if something is legal or illegal. It doesn't establish if something is right or wrong. Only God himself can establish right and wrong.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's a helpful way to phrase it. Um, and, and, and I guess what I'm also driving at here, too, is, is is that I think that this comes out of our sinful nature as well, is where we like to change the law to suit ourselves uh, again. I, I kind of come back to the point that I pushed back on, on layman slate in which I think we are in agreement there, but, uh, uh, just to to kind of put a point on here is that uh, we we like to make our own law, and when we come up against law that we don 't like, uh, uh, I think one of the burdens of the great blessings that we have to live in this country, uh, where democracy and uh, is at work and so forth, is is that we we think we can just change the law to suit ourselves, but that just becomes another manifestation of creating our own law and i still don 't think i mean of course. I am in complete agreement with you that God determines what is right and wrong. He is the creator of the universe and he has established it. And, and we will all have to answer for that in some day. I think what Luther is also pointing here to as well is that our conscious still can't uh, escape it. Right. That will continually push back against it. But then it kind of becomes like we're addicts to we'll just keep pushing and keep pushing and, and it compounds upon itself. I think it has temporal consequences even here and now. And there's certainly lots of things that we can point to um, if we were to get deeper into that discussion as far as it pertains to homosexual marriage and abortion and things like that, that even if you change the laws, there's you can't avoid the temporal consequences of breaking God's law of what says is right are wrong. And so I, I think this is a helpful discussion to have, um, just in terms of how we look at the law, because we just have this American mindset where we'll, we'll, we'll just change the law to suit ourselves. And I think that, that, uh, you know, while obviously being godlessness, uh, is also just a, a manifestation of our sinful nature. Anyway, uh, we have to go to a break. So we're going to do that. Please come right on back for more discussion of the law.
0: duncan the general manager of worldwide kfuo we promote our various programs we ask you to listen to your favorite show we ask you to support our broadcast ministry and we thank you for that support but maybe we don't ask you to pray for us as much as we should please pray for the staff management radio hosts, and volunteers here at worldwide kfuo pray that the message of salvation through christ is heard clearly by listeners around the world pray that we continue to reach into those areas that are hostile to the word of god Pray that KFUO continues to reach those people desperately needing to hear the good news message and pray that God continues to bless us financially through the gifts we need to continue our broadcast ministry. Thank you for listening, supporting, and praying for Worldwide KFUO. You truly are appreciated. We are the messenger of good news, AM 850 in St. Louis, worldwide at kfuo.org.
4: Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning Prayer at 7 a.m. and Evening Prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of Morning Prayer and Evening Prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life.
5: last book of the wildly popular series by jk rowling harry potter enters a graveyard to find a biblical passage inscribed on his parents tombstone from first 1 corinthians 15 26 the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death
0: as fans of harry potter know the boy was saved from the killing curse by his mother's love called the boy who lived harry's last undertaking is once again to defeat lord voldemort By dying sacrificially and thereby defeat death. Engraved on another gravestone is a quote from the Gospel of Matthew, where your treasure is there your heart will be also. In 2007 Rowling stated, I think those two particular quotations he finds on the tombstones, they sum up, they almost epitomize the whole series. Engage with the Bible and its impact on history, culture and art.
5: Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C.
1: And welcome back to Concord Matters with our cohort of Christ-Confessing Concordians, Layman Peter Slayton, Pastor Peter Ill, Pastor Timothy Apple, and myself, Pastor Sean Smith. And we are continuing to make our way through the small called articles written by Martin Luther himself in the Book of Concord. And, uh, we are discussing today part three, article two of the law. And, uh, we were just talking about how the, the law comes and it basically reveals to me how, how bad a sinner I am and, and, uh, increases my sin all the more. It, uh, incites me, I think is the word that Luther uses here, uh, to, to more sin. And, uh, and yeah, so that, that, that's good discussion, but, but that's not the chief office, uh, which is maybe a, A strange way for us to talk, uh, but it's the way that Luther's going to talk here in a second. But it's not the chief office, the chief purpose, uh, which I I really think purpose falls short. But we'll talk about that here in a second when I actually read it. Uh, But uh, we're going to push forward and talk about what the chief office is of the law. And we're going to let Luther uh, distinguish that for us. Hey, Pastor Smith. yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: before we do that, though, just in case you have questions about the law or anything else, you can go ahead and give us a call and we can visit with you at one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven one eight hundred seven three zero two seven two seven. Or you can send us emails at K.F.U.O. at K.F.U.O. dot Or you can find us all over social media at K.F.U.O. Radio.
1: Little caveat there. If you have questions about the law, you know, as as it pertains to the Lutheran <laughs> Just, confession of it and the teaching of scripture. Uh if you have take questions about questions, uh, temporal no. law, you might want to contact a lawyer. Uh none of us <laughs> are trained enough. lawyers here. <laughs> all right. Uh let's let's get back to, to what Luther writes here though. All right. Uh so picking up with uh part three of the small call to articles, article two of the law. And here uh picking up with paragraph three. The rest become blind and arrogant, as has been said above. The about the scholastic theologians. They conceive the opinion that they are able to keep the law by their own powers. From this come the hypocrites and false saints. But the chief office or force of the law is to reveal original sin with all its fruit. It shows us how very low our nature has fallen. How we have become utterly corrupted, the law must tell us that we have no God, that we do not care for God, and that we worship other gods, citing romans three ten through eighteen sometimes we would not have believed before and without the law. in this way, we become terrified, humbled, depressed, we despair and anxiously want help, but see no escape, citing romans seven twenty one through twenty four we begin to be an enemy of God and to complain, and so on, citing Romans five verse ten. This is what Paul says: the law brings wrath Romans four verse fifteen. Sin is increased by the law. The law came in to increase the trespass Romans five twenty. And that ends actually this article. So we'll spend the rest of our time here just discussing this article uh, in depth as it comes. And so, uh, so it comes in here and, and you know it builds upon that idea that the the law increases sin. Uh, well, it comes to. Uh, it's given by God, as we uh, laid out, to, to restrain sin by threats and the dread of punishment. Uh, but it it tends to increase sin all the more. And then uh, the rest uh, become blind and arrogant. And uh, and that he cites the scholastic theologians how they can keep the law by their own powers. But then the chief force of the law. So so tie this together for us here, Pastor.
3: Actually, before we do uh, that tying together work, uh, we have Cheryl, who uh, apparently heard us say that this is a call-in show and called in right away. And so Cheryl from Indianapolis uh, has a question about the law. Hi, Cheryl.
5: Hi. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Uh, My question has to do with an online conversation that I had with a pastor uh, from the Daystar Journal, and uh, he wrote an article about how abortion is an acceptable Christian practice, basically, is what he said. But I responded to his article, and then he responded to me, and he said some things about the law that just doesn't sound right to me. Um, For example, he said, um, the the power of the gospel is to break the reign of sin, death, and the law. Looking to the old law, which dominates the old covenant for the answer to ethical questions is not the Christian way, the new commandment, which we hear Jesus assert in the Monday Thursday gospel, is the law of love, which enables us to break the Sabbath and eat with sinners, that is, to violate the letter of the law when it impedes the free flow of the reconciling love of God. In the case of abortion, there are occasions when the law, thou shalt not kill, not be followed to the letter. and And he goes on, Pentecost means that the Spirit replaces the law at the center of the new community, which is the church. All that stuff does not sound right to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I think Pastor L wants to jump in first here.
3: Yeah, I can understand the concerns. Cheryl, I think that you are spot on to have some of these concerns uh, that uh, that you read and that you shared with us. And... When we talk about the law, I'd like to return to something we talked about in the first half of the show. The law is uh, holy and perfect and good. That is what Holy Scripture says in Romans chapter 7, and that's something that we continue to hold on to. Uh, we also received feedback from Stephen in California, who said that uh, Psalm, 19, Psalm, uh, Psalm 19, he might be referring to Psalm 119, uh, makes it sound like the law is perfect. Because it does. And when we think about the law, we think of God's holiness and God's perfection. That holy and good and righteous law doesn't go away on Pentecost. It doesn't go away after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Instead, that holy and perfect and good law of God is done for us in Christ. And then Christ comes to us and he dwells in us and lives in us and he accomplishes the good that we cannot do ourselves all while transforming us into being his new creation
2: i I think without speaking to all the particulars um, of the article of of the exchange i can say that there's it seems that there's a, a different starting point i think pastor ill got started that really well in pointing us to the law of God is actually good. And we mentioned at the beginning of this episode how the law is actually God's will for our life. And when you look at the law through that lens, that this is actually God's will for our life and and how it should be ordered and how we should live, and that this is actually accomplished through Christ. And I think the pastor might be trying to, to get Christ in there because we always Okay, we tend to forget Jesus. <laughs> That's the, he's the last person we should be forgetting in the, in the context of conversations about the law. But when you completely leave him out, we, we get, we get into some of these difficulties. So God, the law is God's will. And when you see that through the lens of what Christ has done for us on the cross, his perfect life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, all of those things, and we look at the law through that lens, now that I am baptized, I believe that Christ has paid for my sins, this is who I am in Christ, a child of God, okay, how should I live now? What is the way in which I should conduct myself? What difference does it make that Christ died for my sins in my daily life and how I operate? Well, we look at God's will and the law, as we can use those words interchangeably here, as the guide for, okay, now what should I do? And the the concern, I think, with, with the article, with the exchange there, is it's kind of, it's not viewing the law in that way. It's, it's coming at it from a different direction. I, I hear some flavors of the law being bad, perhaps, or the law being exceptions, or there, there's other things going on, and I'm not hearing a clear proclamation of who Christ is, and as a result of that and who he, what he's done in your life, here's what that looks like for how you live, um, so I, th- I think that's that's one way to begin getting at okay how do I wrap my brain around where's the difference in what that pastor is saying and what we're talking about what Scripture talks about.
4: One of yeah, the I things think, uh, that we've that we've mentioned, ahead, sure. um, you know, in the first half of the program too is is that this this desire that's in us to rebel against God's law, um, to hate God's law to become blind or arrogant to God's law is is all a part of our our sinful nature. And and I I think it might be helpful to remember what what Luther writes um, concerning our sinful nature and what happens to our sinful nature in holy baptism in the small catechism. And so the the fourth part of, of baptism in the small catechism asks, what does such baptizing with water indicate? It indicates that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, And that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Um, Our Lord Jesus Christ has very graciously put that old Adam, our sinful nature, to death in the waters of holy baptism. And he's raised us to new life in himself, a, a life before God of righteousness and purity forever. And, and what gives shape to that life? What describes what the shape of that righteous and pure life looks like? It is, it is the law of God that now... As one who 's been baptized into Christ, that law of God does come to me as a gift, um, not something that I hate or rebel against, but something that I, I seek to live in in concord with because I know that he 's given it to me um, I know that that he 's said that this is good he 's not doing it to to ruin my fun he 's doing it because he knows what's what 's good and right for me um, and and you know i mean to, to speak to the issue at hand what what 's good and right is that Children uh, would be conceived and cared for um, from the mother's womb all the way through birth and and life. This is what's good and right, and that's part of um, God's gift to me in, as as His child in holy baptism.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know to take a step further. What you were just saying there, uh, Pastor Apple. Not only are we in concord with it, uh, of course that is true, but but if we can kind of imagine that that in god's presence there's there's kind of this aura right uh, where where goodness and love and peace and joy and all of the attributes that are ascribed to god in scripture dwell because they they emanate from god himself And when we are baptized and that that sin sinner is drowned and dies and we arise, we're we're literally brought into that very presence of God where those things dwell. And so then we seek to not dwell in those things um and and live those things just simply because um you know we want to agree with God on those things, although that's a part of it, but simply because we're in his presence and that's how things are in his presence. And he says, Look, this is this this is still the the you know, we'll we'll talk about the the functions of the law here in a second maybe so that you can understand this reference if you're not familiar with it but uh this is the third function of the law that that uh you you realize that the law is given for your blessing for you for you to have peace and joy and love and justice and righteousness and everything else. And, and that you live in that simply because you are brought into the presence of God. There's, there's no other way to live in that. If you live outside of those things, then you're outside of the presence of God and that, that'll be hell for all eternity. Um, and, and, and I don't want to go too far down this, this image and so forth. Um, but uh, it's just simply how we dwell in that. And so uh, w- sometimes one of the ways that I convey this, right, is that, uh, you know, we, we have speed limit laws, right. And we have, Painting on the road uh, that keep keeps us within our lane and so forth, and when I get outside of that it 's not a happy ride as I look out my window here uh, there 's a ditch on the other side and a telephone pole and things like that and if we 're getting outside of that you know yellow line painted there for us um, it 's not going to be a happy ride, but when we 're within the the, the lane. Where there is happiness and smoothness uh, if they ever come fix the pothole that's out there, too. But that's a sim broken world. You do live in
2: Illinois.
1: (laughs) Right, (laughs) I do. It may never get fixed. But, uh, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if, if we stay within there, then, then it's a happy and smooth ride because that's where it's meant to be. And, and I think what we tend to do as sinners, again, as we've talked about in the first half of the show and, and, and still are now too, is we, we will push back against that. And, and what we see going on in the world is a whole bunch of people driving in the ditch, smashing in the telephone poles and then crying out, well, why is this happening? You know, and, and we need to change this. And, uh you know it, it it's just ridiculous and uh, and so when i hear christians I, I think i agree with uh uh layman slayton there um, that, uh, you know, says, I, I commend the pastor for trying to bring Jesus into the discussion. And Luther certainly does as well when he says, right after he says, restrain sin by threats and the dread of punishment in the first paragraph. He follows that up and by the promise and offer of grace and the benefit, right? Uh, and so that, that comes to us in the gospel. And so you, you, you gotta have law and gospel. Um, so I think he's trying to get us to Jesus, but then I just hear what was shared with us and I just hear someone's working really hard to say, you know, I'm driving here in the ditch and the telephone pole is smashing up my car, but I'm upset about it. And so I'm going to explain this away uh, and push back against that law and and, and try to 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 make another law that it, but but it's it's going against the very essence of god's goodness and you can't live in that uh in that glory of god without living into that essence of what he has said is good uh and not just what he has said is good but but what is truly good because god is the author of all good um, look so maybe, smith
2: everybody knows mm-hmm. that you're supposed to drive your car into the telephone pole it's obvious that's the way the world works and you just need to accept that.
1: Yeah, that happens a lot here in Southern <laughs> Illinois, actually. And I, I read the county journal, the, the newspaper around here, and uh, it, it doesn't really go well for folks when they do that. I mean, think, think of that. the
2: ridiculousness of that statement when we try and say, no, we need to see this. This, this law is, is the wrong law or it's the wrong way to do it. You're, you're telling somebody it's normal to run into a telephone pole. That's This This is good. When you run into a telephone pole, this is good. Or, you know, it's an exception and it's okay to do it every once in a while.
3: What? What are we doing at that point? <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah, I, I... That is how the world often talks. And sometimes there's a temptation for Christians who live in the world but are not of the world to talk that way, too. Uh, but this is where we say, uh, even though the world calls it normal, even though the world says that this might be the way that things are, that's not the promise that Jesus gives us. We have this, this hope and this confidence that the law of God is indeed holy and perfect and good and, uh, so we don't go uh, running our lives into telephone poles and into ditches, but instead we say, Oh, it is Jesus who shows us what the road is. And one of the ways that we talk about uh, the law, uh, especially in, in the Lutheran tradition is we say that it is a curb, that it keeps us in between uh, right and wrong, that we are doing uh, what we ought to do. We are not doing those, those openly obvious uh terrible sins and so it's keeping us essentially on the road and we see the law functioning to to curb us from ourselves and to curb us from what the world says but i know that there's some other uh, really interesting questions for us to get into especially about this idea of uh, the way that the law points us towards original sin
1: yeah, I, I just wanted to follow up on that thought real quick, and then I'll let you take us uh, to some of the other questions. But uh, I, I think it, it makes the point that I was uh, driving for us uh, right before break too. That you know, it, when when I hear something like that said, I, I, I just want to ask the question: Well, if if you've changed the law, you know, at least in in some states anyway, and and abortion is legal in the United States, quite sadly, and so forth, then then. Why why do you have to write this? Why do you have to work so hard? You know, why why don't you just ignore the law of God um and 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 say it doesn't matter? Um, you know. Yeah, why why do you have to work so hard? <laughs> if, it, if you get what you want in terms of the secular law and you think it agrees with the teaching of scripture, then, then you can just be peaceful about it and move on. But I think it it makes the point that it really only increases the sin. You're going to push back harder and harder on it, and you're going to keep working um, just because it, it it is. You can't escape it being on your conscience. the The law of God is is written into us in that sense. It's that that natural laws we tend to talk about. But let, let's get into some of the other questions because there's a lot to talk here. So, uh, Pastor, I'll go ahead and take us away with uh, what you wanted to jump into there.
3: Well, one of the questions that that really kind of intrigues me is how it talks about. Uh, uh, that chief office or force of the law is to reveal original sin with all of its fruit. And and I think that that's a really interesting kind of a thing. Pastor Apple, do you have some, some thoughts on that?
4: I, it's worth noticing, I think, that the law here is first there to reveal original sin with all its fruit. That here we we re, we're reminded that we need the law to show us just how bad we are. And rather than, you know, rebelling against the law or trying to write my own law so that um, I can kind of ignore what God says or, or rewrite what God says, um, God gives the law. Again, it's it's a good thing. And it shows me just how corrupt I actually am. Um, this is something that I, I could never know or believe on my own. On my own, I could probably recognize some of the bad things I do because, Everybody does bad things nobody 's perfect right um, and so i could I could recognize some of those fruit um, of my original sin, perhaps the the hatred or the anger or the the, uh, the coveting the greediness, etc. But I would never recognize how deep that evil goes that, that it 's actually corrupted uh, my very being here, um, that I have this original sin, and that i, I don 't actually love God as much as I, I say I do, or i 'm not. Um, I, I'm not the perfect Christian that I, I show myself to be, perhaps. Um, I need this law to show me my original sin because I would never believe that on my own. And again, that's that's a good thing that God does that because once he's shown me my original sin and, and how corrupt I truly am, I recognize just how much I have need of my Savior Jesus and, and he gives me my Savior Jesus.
1: Well, let, let's experiment with that for a second there, Pastor Apple. So... I'm a pastor, number one. Number two, I I attend divine service multiple times every week, right? I read my scripture every day, I do devotions eh, most days, uh, you know, I I, I do that with my
4: family. So
1: so you're telling me that I, I don't love God?
4: I'm telling you that you love God as a gift and that it's not coming from you. I, I don't I'm not trying to question your your Christian faith, of course. You do love God. But how has that come to you? It it's a gift. You've not saved yourself by I mean I am I am I going where you're, you're you're driving to me or am I missing your point? Well, I'm I'm still
1: just wondering you you said the law reveals that I don't love God, but you know as I I take survey of my life it seems like I do love God.
4: Always, Pastor Smith? Always, yeah. How,
2: yeah. Fully? Yeah. Completely? Well, where does it say I have to do it always?
3: Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. And love your neighbor okay. as yourself.
1: But I, I do it reasonably well. Uh,
3: but where does reasonably no, well no, fit careful. In all your
2: mind? Yeah, because I'm going to start poking at that and pointing out your sin, and that's just going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead and try. <laughs> I,
1: I'm, I'm playing part a part of things that I have heard many times yeah, and, you, and even been guilty of myself. Yeah, you a Cardinals fan.
2: How much time do you waste watching baseball or thinking about baseball? That's not loving the Lord your God when you're yeah, doing that. Yeah, like but I you're was reading the Book baseball.
1: of Concord when I was watching the other day as we swept the Cubs. So. Oh,
2: so you were distracted in your attempts at your righteousness in reading... The Book of Concord, well, which isn't even the because Bible. Because I love God. But that's not even the Bible. I mean, if you really want to be righteous, you should actually be reading the Bible instead of the Book of Concord. And the right, but you're
1: taking me John. to examples here, and, and yep. because yeah. I, I just I, I want this to be beneficial. This this is uh, this let, is Let how the we... law do the work for you. That's that's what I'm trying to drive at here, right? And let, let's Let's let the law do the work.
3: I think that there's a, a key concept that we haven't really brought up yet, but that's the fact that each of us has uh, this depravity of sin, something that uh, in in our tradition and in our confessional documents we refer to as concupiscence. That is the the inclination to sin. And that inclination to sin runs so deeply within each and every one of us that no matter how badly we want to not sin, no matter how hard we try to be holy and to not sin, this starts with our original sin, which gives birth to our concupiscence, that desire to sin, the inability to not sin, as weird as that sounds and continues to drive us back to in all that we do we are tainted and screwed up and corrupted by sin and uh, it really is the answer to the question which comes first original sin or sins of our actions our original sin comes first and we can't help but add to them add to it with our actual uh, sins and our actions and our thoughts and our words and our inactions and in all of that, we continue to say, the Lord your God has called you to be holy. Uh, Jesus says that uh, be holy as my Father in heaven is holy. And all of a sudden, at least I start with my knees knocking because I'm not holy like God the Father is. I'm not holy like Jesus is or like God the Holy Spirit is. I see some of my own sin, and what I see grieves me deeply, and I know that there's more than that.
2: If I'm looking to the law to determine my own righteousness, I'm always going to fail. I mean, that's what we're talking about, the role of the law here. One, one of its functions is that we should not be looking at our own actions to figure out if we're righteous or not, because the law tells us we're not. Whether it's that first use, the curb, or the second use, the mirror, that we haven't fully talked about yet. We've we've talked about the third function. I'm using use and function interchangeably here. Um, we we can't look at ourselves to figure. I mean, that's why Pastor Smith, your my my series of accusations at you and the questions. It's like, well, we're looking at ourselves. That's actually the problem. Let's stop looking at what I'm doing. Let's look at Jesus.
1: Right, which is is actually what I was encouraging us to do. Is instead we went off on a unfortunate (laughs) tangent about the Cardinals and and well, if you had said the Cubs, then
2: I'd say yes, you're righteous.
1: but but see, this is the problem. Is uh, what what I wanted to do is just let the law work for us, and and I think Pastor Hill did that quite helpful for us. That yeah. when we just present the Word of God, that calls for this righteousness, and and righteousness dwells and emanates from Him, then I can't help but see, it. and 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 the law will come and crush and kill me. But it also leads me to then seek that grace and benefit that is offered purely from Christ himself. That's found in the gospel. But so far, our discussion of the law today. Thanks for stopping by today for that discussion. Uh, Please tune in next time as we talk about repentance, which leads us to finding that grace. And until next time, keep confessing, church.